We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Okay, uh, so we're going to uh, just take a few more questions uh, and then Jeremy is going to share uh, from the Word of God with us. So first of all, we have uh, uh, Fatima, please. What do you do if you feel disappointed after praying to have the gift of the Spirit, but you don't feel you have it? For example, praying for healing and it doesn't happen. Does this mean we didn't hear God? It's not our ability to, to hear God. You pray for healing, it doesn't happen. It's not the strength of our prayer. It's, it's really looking to see what God would do. And we're always looking to hear God. And yeah, it's okay to feel disappointed because it matters. Uh, if we're, we're praying for somebody, it, it really matters to us. Uh, so, uh, but then in the end, it's not about our performance, it's about what God is doing. And so uh, we're consciously looking. You know, it's interesting the number of times uh, people that God has used in healing uh, have said, you know, you see people being healed, but you don't notice how many people were not healed before we got to this point. So we're always looking to see what God would do. And uh, disappointment shouldn't determine what we do. We're doing what he wants us to do. What does casting out demons look like today? Hmm, that's, what does casting out demons look like today? Well, I guess there's no set answer to that. I think the main point uh, is that we're not looking to provide a stage for, for demonic activity. I think that in some areas, in some situations, it's almost become like a kind of part of the show, a freak show. I want to see what Jesus is doing, and I don't want to give, in, give a, a position of entertainment to the enemy. We're not, looking, we're not looking for the dramatic or the subtle. We're looking for what God is doing. I guess the outcome would be somebody that's very troubled would now be at peace. And let's remember that essentially the issue of dealing with the demonic is about the distinguishing or the discerning of spirits. And sometimes people come up with, with all sorts of um, questions and ideas and if it looks like this or if something's... Frankly, there's no biblical basis for a, a list of things. I recognise that some people will discern in particular ways, but we want to see people set free. We don't want uh, a, a show, we don't want the enemy to be taking centre stage, and so we're looking for what Jesus will do in a given situation. And of course, it can only happen as we, by the gift of discernment, discern that what the problem is, the issue behind the problem, is a demonic manifestation. Thank you very much, Ella. Good. Over to Jeremy. Hello, everyone. Great. Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm going to be speaking and um, sharing a little bit today from the book of John. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, or you've got your phones or some way of, of accessing that, um, 
uh, do go to John 5, get it open on John 5, and we'll start right at the beginning of that chapter. Um, I'm also very conscious that the sun has just come out um, and it's beaming down on the left side of my face quite strongly, so it feels, feels quite intense for me right now, but um, hopefully that won't affect things too much. Um, so John 5, let's pick up from um, verse 1 of John 5. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of disabled people, blind, lame and paralysed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there a long time, he said, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going in, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. It's a, um, it's an interesting passage, um, relatively well-known one. And it's a, a passage that, that raises quite a few questions. I don't know if it does for you, but it does for me as well. Aside from the, the obviously amazing uh, miracles that, that Jesus performs in that moment. Um, when I read a, a Bible passage, I, um, I often try, try to kind of imagine what it must have been like. I try to get myself in the, in the environment a little bit. And it's an interesting one with this, with this passage. It's quite a unique situation. I googled um, Paul of Bethesda to, to maybe get an idea of what it was like. And a picture came up that I think was from the old film, Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know if, if any of you remember that, but it's a, a proper kind of old style Jesus movie and uh, Jesus played by a guy called Robert Powell, who's very sort of serene looking and, and stern. And in this image, you've got this kind of tiny little pool and maybe four or five kind of people sort of sitting on the steps and Jesus is kind of gliding down the steps and holding out his hand. And there's a few disciples kind of behind him, sort of peering over his shoulder, seeing what he's doing. And I looked at it and, and it just looked very calm, very serene and peaceful. And I just thought, that's probably not what, what this situation was like um, if you were really there. In, in the passage, it talks about a multitude of people in this place. We, we're probably talking hundreds or so of people. Um, archaeologists have discovered the actual place where this pool was. Um, so you can go there in Jerusalem and, and they reckon, you know, it, it occupied this space and here are the colonnades and, and this is what it looked like. Um, but it, it was a really interesting situation. And, and if I try and kind of imagine what it, it must have been really like to be there, the closest thing I can think of that really gets to it would be probably um, Liverpool Street Station, um, probably the Central Line platform, tube platform at rush hour at about 5 p.m., um, you know, when, when everybody's lined up on the platform, the crowd is maybe four or five people deep. Everyone's thinking, right, I've got to get home. When's the train going to come? Am I going to get on this particular train? And people are jostling and it's hot and it's uncomfortable and it's noisy. I reckon that's probably a lot uh, more similar to, to what this sort of situation would have been like um, in real life. But Jesus walks through that, that crowd and he goes to this guy and, and we know what, what happens. The guy receives healing. Um, when 
we read this passage, often the first question that comes to people's minds, and it's understandable, is, um, is why did Jesus just heal the one person? You know, there's, there's hundreds of people in this place, all of whom need healing. They're all there waiting for this mysterious water to be stirred up and try and get in there and, and get their healing. But Jesus just makes a beeline for this one guy, and, and even he doesn't really have any frame of reference for what Jesus wants to do. Jesus kind of has to you know, explain to him, no, you know, I want to heal you. Um, and, and he heals him, but nobody else gets healed. Why, why did Jesus do this? And it can be tempting to, to consider, well, Jesus just doesn't heal everybody. But when I read this passage, perhaps a more interesting question that comes to my mind is, why did nobody else notice Jesus? Why did nobody else go to him and ask for healing? It's really interesting in, in the Gospels, um, every single person that goes to Jesus and says, would you heal me of this disease, of this affliction, whatever it might be, he does heal them. And there's countless examples of where he's surrounded by many, many people, and it says all of them were healed of whatever disease that they had. But here's a really interesting situation where he's surrounded by a crowd of people, but not one person notices him and asks him for healing. And I ask myself, why, why is that? And the answer is, they were looking at something else. They were watching the water. They weren't aware that he was there. If you take yourself back to that, that central line platform, um, I guess it's quite, quite hard to imagine in the times that we're in. I can't think of the last time I was on the tube, but when you get to that, that moment, and, and we've all been there, it's rush hour and, and it's busy and you're, you're desperate to get home, and you suddenly hear the train coming through the tunnel, and, and maybe you see the lights and you're like, right, it's coming, it's coming. And everyone's kind of positioning themselves. You're kind of wondering, am I going to get on there? And then you start thinking, oh, am I at the right place in the platform? If I go down a bit further, are the carriage is going to be a bit quieter there? And, you know, if I position myself just here, can I sort of slip through and get onto the train? And all of these thoughts are going through your mind and everyone's jostling and trying to get their place on the train. Picture yourself in, in that situation. If a famous person insert whatever famous person is relevant to you, I don't know, Justin Bieber, David Attenborough, you know, think of someone that, that you would consider to be famous. If they walk through that crowd, do you think you'd, you'd notice them? I don't think you would, because all you're thinking about is, can I get my place on the train? Am I going to get home on time? And you wouldn't notice them through the crowd. And I think it's a little bit similar in this passage here. Nobody's noticing Jesus because they've got their eyes fixed somewhere else. It's interesting, we're talking about the supernatural at the moment. We've had a number of weeks uh, looking at the gifts of the Spirit and, and all the different things that, that God can empower us to do and the ways he pours out his Spirit on us and uses us in, in many miraculous ways. And what I find interesting is, is the people around this pool in Bethesda, they had an understanding of the supernatural. They believed in a God of healing. They believed that God healed, that that was available. But it was in this kind of weirdly religious, uh, unpredictable, mysterious way. And I don't, I don't know about all of the theology behind it, the way you know, it said the water was stirred up at a certain time and if you got in. I, I don't get all of that, but, but they understood that God could heal 
but it was limited. In their minds, it, it was something that maybe if I get in quick enough, maybe if I've got someone to help me, I will get that healing. There's healing for somebody, but maybe there's not enough for me. And, and it was strangely exclusive. And I think sometimes when we think about the supernatural, we can think about it in a similar way. We can believe that God heals. We can believe that God speaks to us, that he speaks through words of knowledge, that he might use people to reach others. But we can think, hey, that's, that's for somebody else. Someone else is, is better positioned to be used in that way. Someone else is, is more likely to experience God's healing. It's mysterious. It's unpredictable. It's probably not going to happen to me. But that's to miss the reality that Jesus is really here. He's in our midst. He's inside of us and he wants to get out. He wants to use us in these ways. If only we'd turn around and notice him in the crowd. There's a wonderful passage in 2 Corinthians 6 um, verse 1 that I love. And in this passage, Paul is quoting Isaiah and he's quoting a passage from Isaiah where where Isaiah is looking forward to, the prophet is looking forward hundreds of years before Jesus was on the earth. He's imagining this time, prophesying this time, where uh, God's salvation is available to everyone. And Paul quotes it, he says, in a favourable time I listened to you, this is Paul quoting Isaiah, and in a day of salvation I helped you. And then Paul says, behold, now is the favourable time, now is the day of salvation. And he's saying to the church, the Corinthian church, everything that was prophesied in the Old Testament, everything that was said about Jesus, about the time when Jesus comes, about, about the salvation that's going to come to all people, that's now. That's happened. Paul is saying that, that by what Jesus did by his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father where all authority was, was given to him, that this time of salvation, this time of favour, of the outpouring of his spirit upon all people is now. That we can prophesy, that we can dream dreams, that we can be used in all of these different ways. And that's true of us today. But you know, I can still forget that. I can still get distracted. I can still get locked in a weird sort of semi-religious mindset when I think about this. Jesus invites us to have our minds renewed to see afresh the time that we're living in and how he wants to use us. Um, recently, I recognised a, a sort of mindset in myself where I, um, I became very preoccupied about my levels of tiredness and energy. Um, maybe it's something to do with having a two-year-old son. Um, I wasn't always getting as much sleep as I might have been getting. And, um, but I, I became almost obsessed with how much sleep have I got uh, last night? Am, am I going to be able to do the things I need to do today? Am I going to have enough energy? And I would start to manage my life and uh, plan my life around that and it became almost a daily thing and it was a very subtle shift and I didn't really notice it. But there was one moment when Jane suggested to me one Saturday night, she was saying, why don't we have a, a bunch of people around to hang out? And my instant reaction was, no, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be sociable. I don't want to be hospitable. I'm, I'm tired. I've got a really busy day tomorrow. I've got to do this, this and this. I just want to do nothing. And um, it wasn't until a bit, bit later on that it was made aware to me that it's maybe not the best uh, attitude to have in that moment. I had 
gone from from realizing that God is my provider. He's the one who gives me energy. He's the one who empowers me to do everything I need to do. To thinking it was somehow up to me to get myself into the pool, to get myself onto the train, to manage my life in such a way that I had capacity to do everything, rather than relying on Him. And I needed to repent of that and um, and realize again that He's the one who who empowers me. I can think of another time. Uh, many years ago where I used to be quite um, anxious or slightly fearful about walking around this area at night. Um, when I was growing up in youth there are a number of incidents locally where people were maybe robbed or you know attacked or, or different things like that and, and these kind of lodged themselves in my mind and it just created this sense of unease if I ever had to walk around somewhere at night on my own. I just feel very wary and I'd maybe try and avoid people and you know, just be very conscious of, of my surroundings. And again, it was a subtle mindset shift that I hadn't noticed. But I remember there was a, a distinct period of time where um, I really began encountering God in a new way. And, and he was just talking to me about how he was my dad, he was my provider, how, how much he loved me. Um, and there was one moment where almost overnight, I noticed such a radical shift that I went from being fearful of walking around at night to actually hoping. I remember leaving the house one night and thinking, I really hope someone comes up to me and talks to me because there's something inside of me that has to get out. There's something good. God's spirit is in me and I have something to give. And I think that just summarizes so clearly the difference between a, a limitation mindset, a, a mindset of, of unpredictability and, and religion and, and me having to manage and protect myself to me being so aware of God's provision, his protection and so trusting in God that I just have to give, I have to give out, I have to be a blessing to others. So what can we do to move from one mindset to another, to go from being unaware of Jesus in our midst and within us to conscious of, of all that he has to give to us and, and use us for? Well, thankfully, there's nothing we can do um, it, it's not something we can try harder to achieve, but we just come to him and we say, Jesus, renew my mind. He, he offers that renewing of our minds in the truth of what he's done on the cross and the truth of, of, of what he has for us. And we just say, Jesus, refresh me. Show me again that this is a time of favour. Show me again how much you love me, how much you protect me. I don't know what situation you're facing. I don't know if you know, you're, you're facing a situation at work that's stressful and you don't know how to how to get out of it, whether you're, um, you know, you, you've got a family member in mind that you just want to see breakthrough for them. Maybe it's an issue of healing yourself. Maybe you're looking to God to see breakthrough in healing. But there's an invitation, I think, to come to God and say, Lord, how do you want me to view this situation? How do you want to use me in this situation? How do you want me to give out of what you've placed within me. I'm so thankful that our perspective isn't dictated by our surroundings or our level of tiredness or what we've had to eat that particular day, um, but it's, it's determined by our awareness of him in our midst. And um, we're living in interesting times and, and we're facing all kinds of restrictions at the moment, but Jesus is with us. He's in our midst and he's living inside of us, his spirit is inside of us and he wants to waken us up to that reality and use us in so many exciting ways. Thank you, over to you John.
Thank you, Jeremy. That's very helpful, powerful to, to really focus again, not on the circumstances, not how, how is God going to do it, but on the very person of Jesus. That's what we're called to do, looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. Mark's going to lead us and we're going to take a song or two because there's no point in just listening to that or even agreeing to it without actually doing it. It's in the purpose of God that we move from hearing and agreeing into action. Let's take a little moment. Whatever our situation, whatever our circumstances, to just focus on the very person of Jesus. We never want to be looking at the method. Don't want to be looking at the pool when we could be looking to him and receiving from him. Let's join together and get our focus on him as we worship him. Jesus, 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 your love has melted my heart. Uh -huh. Holy Spirit to come for those that feel that their hearts have become like stone there is a place where he rushes in and changes everything there's a place where he just comes and does that very thing we've been listening to and talking about today he melts our heart he makes it subtle and he enables us to love again of rejection he enables us to love again from a place of being hurt he enables us to love again let's just take this on once again Jesus 
declared that his love has melted our heart we've asked spirit holy one of God come purify our heart let's just take a little time now even as he's heard those prayers the prayers that we've just sung to focus on him going to ask Mark to lead us in that old song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. There's something about when we focus on the person of Christ and the price that he's paid. I want us just to join together, not just to sing a song, but to open our hearts 
for the fresh revelation of just who he is and what he's done. We'll use this song just to help us. Thank you, Mark. When I survey the wondrous cross on which is the prince of glory died, my riches
you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk, or Twitter at lifelineuk.co.uk.